Hey guys, it's Brian here in the edit, and uh, you know, I just want to start this off with a big, giant disclaimer and a warning, nerd alert. Huge, big old nerd alert. Uh, the guys are about to dive deep into horsepower figures and engine sizes and all that minutiae of stuff that usually goes over my head, and I usually have to combat that by... Uh, stamping a nerd alert, but to save myself some time in the edit and to save you guys having to hear that every five seconds, figured I'd just go ahead and start it at the beginning with a big old giant disclaimer, uh, nerd alert. Nerd alert! I am Dan Nichols, who's ready this take, and Brian Sanchez, who is a boy. Yes. And Tim Wesley, who has a milkshake and a lawn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a... That, that was... What was her name? What's her name? Khalees? It was Khalees. Yeah. Khalees. Yeah. So her milkshakes bring Do, all the boys to the yard. If that, like... Intro gets inserted there. Would we get sued? Nah. No, because I said lawn, not yard. But I mean, I just want to hear the opening. Oh, yeah. Oh. No. If we haven't been sued by the Austin Powers people for the nerd alert thing yet, <laughs> we'll be I. Right. Well, I'm sure we'll be okay. Actually, we'll Mike Myers that. heard it and it was Universal? like, "Thanks." We'll deal with that. Yeah. What the fuck when is he it, doing? <laughs> when it when it comes around. Yeah. So. This one, we're going to talk about something that, actually, I've had this on the docket, wanted to talk about this since before you were here, Tim. I bet. Uh, something very near and dear to my heart, and that is power adders. We're talking about turbos, superchargers, and liquid supercharging. Nitrous. And I actually have a, an, like a, a wild card. I'm ready. That's not necessarily... Wait. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay, it's, go now. Well, it's not. We'll talk about it. Let's okay. cover all the the three you, you just mentioned, and then right. we'll talk about it. But um, as that being our topic today, mm-hmm. I do have a question. Um, of the two ones that make audible sound, being okay. turbos and superchargers, okay. what are you? What are you guys' choices of which you'd rather have? The turbo wine, or the uh, or the supercharger wine and the turbo blow off. Supercharger one. I go turbo. Of course you would. Right. You're a JDM chick. <laughs> no, let, um, I mean, let me, because you're going to definitely have way more to say about this than <laughs> yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one, I just want to say it. In all honesty, like, I love the sound of, like, the turbo blow off. Like, it is, it is really cool. There's nothing like it on the face of the planet. There really isn't. Correct. But I've been in a car that has it. And to me, it gets annoying. Yeah. But then like again. Over and over and over again. I could see how supercharger wine would get annoying too. I've been in. I I've don't been, think I would ever. I've been in a car with both. It feels, for me, when I'm riding in the car, it feels more natural. It just feels like part of the engine noise. Like yeah. it's, 
Maybe it's, it's, it feels a bit more organic. If you start as to opposed get, to, if you get too annoyed with it, you can almost tune it out because it's always there. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah. Yeah. So, which, by the way, if I were to ever have a blow off, it would have to be a group B sound. The, yeah. Love it. It's pretty dope. It's pretty However, I mean, they're both I will, awesome. I will but. say this: um, out of the two power delivery systems, like supercharger versus turbo, I think I would have to go turbo. But it depends on the type of racing. Sure. Yeah. But for like everyday driving, I think I would have to go turbo just because, yeah, reasons. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's get into it, guys. So let's start off with Tim's favorite. Let's go with turbos, okay? Now, for those of y'all who are not familiar with how a turbo works, it is not a razor from Gillette. But it, no, no. <laughs> they can't all be winners, okay? Um, so a turbocharger, what it does is it takes the exhaust gases, turns an exducer wheel, uh, a fan blade basically, and a scroll type blade spins that, which is connected to a shaft in an inducer. That is another fan blade that actually sucks air in. It takes it, puts it. Uh, takes more air and pushes it through the intake tube. Typically needs to be cooled, typically with an intercooler, but it could also be a uh, heat exchanger. We'll get into that later. Um, and then blows into the actual engine. You add more fuel, more cylinder pressure, more power. Let me real quick just explain what cylinder pressure is. It is exactly what it sounds like. The more <laughs> air and fuel that you have in the cylinder at the point of ignition the more pressure is going to be on that piston head more pressure there pushes on the crank harder puts it down the drive line brian did warn you that this is the nerdy episode yeah i wasn't joking no okay so i would also like to take this opportunity to say most engines out there cannot take uh, from factory anyways cannot take too terribly much cylinder pressure. All of these power adders put more pressure on the piston head. Now, most engine blocks of sports cars anyways can take the power. It's the piston and the piston ring that are the weak link. Um, I'll get more into piston rings later on just because I want to kind of break it up um so turbos look turbos actually came around in america believe it or not um hey. yes they were initially put on the p51 mustang if i'm not mistaken um but uh then they were introduced in um i wanted to say nascar in a buick like back in the 50s um it was a big heavy thing made out of steel um but that's where the origins came from Fast forward, uh, they started coming on production vehicles in no other place than Saab. Yep. Um, the Turbo 900? Yep. So who can forget that back in the 80s and into the 90s, everything was turbo, just like everything's I whatever now. Sunglasses. Like, Sunglasses had the word turbo on them. Right. Much in the same way now that, you know, I bed and it's just, you know, a new mattress. 
We talked. We did talk I about. Home. We did talk about the Saab Turbo 900 yep. in a past episode. We did. Um, and it really laid the groundwork. We we talked about in the last episode that Brian's girlfriend had no idea that her car was turboed. It's a teeny tiny yeah, little turbo. There's a tiny little teeny turbo. In but there. it's there. But it's there. And the reason for that is is that it's a teeny tiny little engine, so it needs more cylinder pressure to create more foot pound pound feet rather. I always get that mixed up. Yeah, it's pound it's feet one of, those of awkward torque. Things. Yeah. And horsepower <laughs> because you put more more cylinder pressure, better driving. Anyways, um, but turbochargers inherently uh, heat the air going in because the exducer and the inducer need to be close enough that the spinning shaft that connects the two can't really be that big because it's going to be going really, really fast, like something like 9,000 times a second, something like that. It, it's super fast. Um, like they're go on to YouTube right now. You can see guys with the car running and they stick their finger into the inlet on the turbo and come hack me. off the top the uh, tip of their finger. Come pinga. <laughs> Why would you do that? I, Dude. I, I, I don't speak French. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so the, the cool thing about turbos is, is that, um, the higher the engine speed, Traditionally and typically, the faster and more uh, the turbo is going to be spinning, uh, the more productive it's going to be. Okay, um, there is no parasitic drag on the drive line because it's already using what the engine is creating in order to make uh, power. However, when a turbo is at idle, it actually is creating a vacuum. So with that, that means that off the line, it's going to be slower. Um, even at full throttle, it needs time to build that charge of air. Um, it, I'll leave it at that because the next thing that I'm going to talk about traditionally and typically is the polar opposite, and that's the supercharger. A supercharger works much in the same way that a turbocharger does in that it brings more air into the system, thus making uh, putting in more fuel, more cylinder pressure. There are, there's only one type of turbo. I mean, yeah, there's the twin scrolls, there's the whatever. There, there are different kinds of turbochargers, but they all work the same, right? Tim? True. Back me up? Yes. Okay. Um, there are two types of supercharger there is the roots supercharger and the centrifugal supercharger i'm going to start with the roots because it's the oldest uh this came back in during the 50s putting it on hot rods anyways initially the roots blower is what it was called was actually used to stoke furnaces hmm. uh vacate air from mine shafts it was basically just an air mover that they hooked up to an electric motor or some sort of motor and it spun these two scrolls that it, i'm not going to go into that part that's even a little <laughs> nerdy for me <laughs> wow it, it would pull air <laughs> from Sorry. one area and push it out the other then gm back in the 20s um, maybe even the teens, 
they had a two-stroke diesel engine. We talked about this in a previous episode yes, as well. We did. So if you want that exact time frame, I think we looked it up. Yeah. So the thing is with a two-stroke engine, it was a two-stroke diesel engine. First off, diesels don't have a lot of vacuum anyways to in order to pull air and fuel in. Furthermore, a two-stroke engine has no vacuum at all because it actually is just a completely open system. Brings air in one way, and then when the sister the cylinder uh, the piston gets down to the bottom, it goes out another way. So it at idle it has nothing. Now when the rotations get up, inertia does play a part. But anyways, the way that they got it to work was they strapped a roots blower onto it and basically drove it off of the belt system. In the 50s, um, there was a guy, and damn it, I should have looked up his name. This is the second time that I haven't given this guy props because I forgot to look up his name. However, he started putting it on Chevys and Ford engines, Um, which again, more fuel, more air, and basically he just put it on the top of the engine with a custom intake manifold and a carburetor sitting on top. The end. It's very simple. Um, it's actually, it, it's a very easy, rudimentary design. Um, the problem with it is, is that much in the same way as a turbo, not exactly, but when air is accelerated through a system, it heats up. It's difficult to put an intercooler on a roots-blown uh, supercharger. So the way that you do it is you put a heat exchanger in between the supercharger and the intake manifold. What that does is it actually runs coolant through the system and cools the air charge with the coolant running through it. You could imagine, unless it's its own separate system, it's not very efficient, right? Thus enter the second type of supercharger, the centrifugal. Packaging-wise, this is the easiest because it hangs off the side of the engine like a turbocharger does it's belt driven instead through exhaust gases uh now oh and i'm sorry so let me go back to the roots blower real quick much in the opposite way of the turbocharger which is most efficient at high rpm the supercharger is most efficient at lower rpm once it gets up and spinning it actually isn't creating a vacuum, but it, all it's doing is basically heating the air as it goes into the engine. Okay? Um, I'm going to take a break right now. Do you guys have any questions, comments? Because I'm flying through this. No? No? Well, one thing, I want to talk a little bit about anti-lag. Um, yeah, please do. Because that, that's like an important thing as far as like superchargers. Not superchargers, turbos, Jesus. Mm. Dan ranting about superchargers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of put my, my mind into that. Yeah, please. Um, one thing about turbos, you mentioned the lag. And so there there have been systems developed that um, it causes a misfire. And right. if you've ever heard it, it just sounds like gunshots. It kind of sounds like cars fucking broken. Yeah. Like straight up. It's like, oh, shit, what is that? But then like you see the car take off like a fucking rocket. Right. And you understand, oh, anti-lag. Right. How does that work? Do you know? So there's two there's two systems. Um, I will actually have Brian or Dan, or I'll put it up uh, somewhere. Tim will uh, put it up. 
Yeah. Of uh, Donut Media talking about for the show they have for it's like it's like a car science, it's a garage science. Okay. It's cool. Um, it's a lot of nerd stuff, but there's two systems: one used for rally, one used for other uh, automotive racing applications. But um, it it does cause the pressure to can be continuous instead of like that that lag. So it's it is a misfire system. It's really cool. Um, but we skipped over it. Yeah, I no, okay. I am not as knowledgeable in the nah, it's okay. the engine nerdiness of this. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'll link it. I'll link it out there for you guys to yeah. link the episode. But. So to that point, a roots blower. There's no real way to attrition that not necessarily lag, but that drop off of power as you increase uh, engine speed. Now, <laughs> the the way that this was the technology evolved. The supercharger was the inception of the centrifugal supercharger, which was based loosely on the turbocharger. So, whereas the root splur sits directly on top, the centrifugal supercharger, as I mentioned before, hangs off the side of the engine in the uh, pulley train, like the same as your alternator, your power steering pump, your water pump, and the actual crank pulley. So, the way that this can be attrition is changing the uh, pulley size, which is same for roots, but a roots blower is less forgiving. Um, this is by far, the, the centrifugal supercharger is by far the easiest for installation. That's because you don't have to mess with putting aftermarket headers on which you should do anyways just because you're moving it's more it's probably air. a good idea yeah. right but you're moving more air you need to make sure that you're not running your stock cast exhaust manifold. right yeah <laughs> i mean you, you you do need to but you don't necessarily have to if you're running lower pressure okay um what you can do is because it is the same basically it's a turbocharger without the exhaust housing mm -hmm. it has the inducer and it works mm -hmm. instead of the shaft being bolted to the exducer it's bolted to the pulley this pulley can you can change the sizes of the pulley itself you can also change the gears inside of it because it's not bolted directly to the pulley it's bolted to a gear that is bolted up to another gear that comes from the pulley and you can actually change those gear ratios to actually make it spin faster. You can overdrive it, underdrive it, all that. Furthermore, there are centrifugal superchargers that are self lubricated. This means you don't have to run, uh, you don't have to run oil lines, coolant lines like you would with a turbocharger. Um, Technically, a roots doesn't. Not all of them need oil. Some of them do, but the centrifugal supercharger, the ones that are self lubricated, you basically change the oil on them at the same time that you change the oil inside of the engine. It's super easy, super convenient. It takes regular old oil. I think it's like a forty weight or fifty weight oil. It's very simple in that way. Now you can change the pulleys and gears around to actually make it to where it ramps up the uh, PSI later on in the RPM band, okay? Furthermore, you don't necessarily have to use a heat exchanger. You can use a traditional intercooler like with the turbo. 
at just a standard air-to-air, which is very easy to do. It's basically piping. That's it. And finding an area to put an intercooler in. It's pretty cool. Um, I want to stop for just a second, and there's actual science behind this. There have been guys at Bonneville and just out in the world uh, for drag racing and stuff that <clears throat> if they're running a carburetor on their car, not they, for those of you who don't know, just look up carburetor. It used to be the way that cars worked um, before <laughs> fuel injection. So um, the uh, running a centrifugal supercharger or a turbocharger for that matter without an intercooler. How does that work? So what happens is, is that basically just a pipe directly from the supercharger or turbocharger into like a hat sort of thing on top of the carburetor. And the way that a carburetor basically works is air moving through the carburetor pulls uh, fuel. It's, it's basically a carburetor is just a very exact fuel leak. <laughs> it just sucks yeah. it out. What happens is is that when the fuel atomizes inside of, because that's another thing that the carburetor does, is it doesn't just squirt uh, fuel in, it atomizes it. When the fuel atomizes, it pulls heat out of the air. And there have been dudes who have seen that running that, it'll actually pull 100 degrees from the top of the carburetor to the bottom of the carburetor. A hundred degrees difference. Shit. A cooler inlet charge, the more thick the air is, thus better explosions inside of the engine. Because if you guys didn't know, that's how an engine works. Little tiny explosions move a piston. So one thing on both of these systems is that something Dan just mentioned um, is that they work best at altitude yeah well yeah it they work uh, so like if you go to like colorado right so it, and that's the thing is that's the original inception of both of these is that they were used in airplanes way up in the air that's true the engines weren't able to bring in enough air in order to operate their internal combustion engines so it actually works better than naturally aspirated cars that have not been tuned exactly for higher altitude. <clears throat> it's more forgiving, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's the way it works. Um, that makes sense. Let me see. I think I'm learning I, all kinds of shit today. Yeah. Man. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I am. Um, going to car school with I know, Dan. Man. Last thing I want to talk about is nitrous. First and foremost, it is not NOS. The energy drink is NOS. It is NOS. Nitrous oxide systems, not NOS. So the, I mean, the, I'm not going to argue, Dan, but this is this is a, a GIF or GIF type statement. GIF yes. because it's not graphic interchange format. You're right, but the dude that made that is and, the one that named it too. You're right, and he's wrong. I know. I I adjusted. You're right, the, and he's wrong. I adjusted the way that I say that to the world. Just saying. Yeah. It's a type. Yeah. Anyways, you said that there was a GIF. I made you lose your train of thought. No, I... Oh, okay. It's the 
No, the no, the, nitrous. Like, the way you say uh, it is like, what like I'm talking about. Right? Oh, NOS I thing see. is like it's it's, no, a, it's, it's semantics. It's, a, it's no, <laughs> no, it's NOS. It's important. Um, this is a it's, factual podcast. It's nitrous. Yeah, it, easiest way to do it, nitrous. Yep. There you go. I mean, that is the chemical. So right, nitrous oxide is what we're going to talk about here. So let me talk about what a dry shot is first. We've all heard dry shot, wet shot, right? Dry shot refers to just putting nitrous in, either into the system or just spraying nitrous itself. Most common application, blowing it onto the intake manifold, which is basically just a jet that shoots super cold air because it's obviously in liquid form in a tank. It hits you know, a low-pressure area. It atomizes and becomes air, and it just shoots really cold air. The end. Again, a cooler charge of air makes the air thicker, thus making the engine run better because it has, you know, cylinder pressure. Going back to there, right? Um, <clears throat> wet shot. When you introduce more air into an engine, it's going to run lean meaning not enough fuel. So what a wet shot does is not only introduce nitrous oxide, but also more fuel. And it needs to be in the right area. You guys familiar with what uh, air fuel ratio is? You're referring to the amount of air and fuel together? Yes, you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's what it so, is, right? Right. So basically what it is is most cars, like my car, for instance, mine has a really high air fuel ratio of 13 to 1. That means that there are 13 parts air to one part fuel, okay? Most cars run at about 10 down to 8, something like that. The most amount of power, and this holds true for any power adder, the most amount of power that you make naturally aspirated uh, – in an air fuel ratio is the same number that you'll make when you're putting power, putting air, more uh, cylinder pressure into the engine. Okay. So with nitrous, you have to actually balance it out to make sure that you're getting the same air fuel ratio inside of the engine. Now, for everybody who's stuck with us for the 20 some odd minutes, yeah. this is where it gets funny. So, Let's say that you're 19 years old. You've been saving up a while. So you spend $2,000 and get yourself an NOS cheater system. Actually, that's what they call it. They call it the, their entry model or their entry level is called the NOS cheater. <laughs> I love it. I think it's cool. Um, and you see two different color tips and they gave you some extra hoses. You see red tips and you see blue tips. Just so you guys know, spoiler alert, the red tips are fuel. The blue is nitrous. And then you go and you drill a hole into your intake tube and put, put the little blue nozzle in. And then you hook it up to your nitrous bottle, run the lines, and you do the Paul Walker, NOS, I need NOS. And you're driving down the road and you hit the nitrous button which, by the way, is not used that uh, terribly often now. And you get danger to manifold, throw some green washers, and the floor falls out. 
but not really. <laughs> what happens is, is that you go super lean and you run like 20 to 1 in your air-fuel ratio and you spot weld your pistons onto the cylinder block. That's not good. When you introduce more air, you have to introduce more fuel. The end, that's how it is. Okay. Let's go back and talk about superchargers and turbochargers for that matter. Um, I said before that pretty much any engine block on a sports car, just a stout engine, is able to handle more cylinder pressure. The weak link is the piston head. Most cylinder heads, like in GM, for instance, are what are called hyper-eutectic. They're basically a, a polyurethane plastic-ish metal composite. When you put more cylinder pressure into it, what do you think happens? Uh, does it split? Shatters like glass. It doesn't yeah. just split. They, they call it sand. Yeah. Because it actually breaks down into like the metal fragments and the plastic fragments and everything and just goes through. So that's actually not what happens most often. What happens most often is... In order to keep the oil out of your combustion chamber, there are what are called piston rings. These piston rings have gaps on them because obviously as metal expands, it ex you know those rings are going to become closer and closer together. When you put more cylinder pressure, it heats up more. And what actually happens is the two ends of that piston ring touch each other. And since they have nowhere to go, they either go up, down, or out. Usually the piston head is the weak link there, so it'll actually poke a hole on the side of the piston, or you'll send the piston through the bottom of the block and give yourself a nice window, and you can actually see inside your cylinder block. That's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Do you know what you do when you uh, make a window in your cylinder? You throw it away. Yeah, you, you cry a little bit. You cry. Or depending oh, on if it's something lot. you were trying to do. That's true. That is true. Um, which, I mean, <laughs> who hasn't tried to do that? You know, I mean, you haven't lived until you've exploded a motor. I don't. I mean, I'd that. like I'd like to do <laughs> I'd that. I'd like to not do. I'd like to do that once in my life, but not with a car that I'm relying on. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Like, like if I had a car, if I had a car that I was like, I want, like, say, a project car. I was like, yeah. I want this to be a car. It's shit. It still runs. I've got an idea, guys. I'd probably be the asshole that was like, let's 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 start putting stuff in it until it just stops until working. Exactly. Let's let's all go out and let's let's get together. Let's go buy ourselves like a 2006 Honda Civic base model for like 500 bucks and let's do it. Buy like a cheap eBay turbo. Uh, and then if that doesn't explode it, uh, put in just a dry shot of nitrous directly into the intake manifold. And we'll just wing it up way high, hit the nitrous button, and just watch the cylinder rod come straight. You know what? Up. In all honesty, I kind of want to do this. I do, too. We have to remember, though, Honda engines are transverse mounted. Yeah. I, I don't want that to come through the firewall. Nah. Because all right. cylinder pressure is going to push it down. All right. So it's going to, if anything, it's going to bury a rod in the asphalt underneath. Well, you can... You can push the accelerator then. Yeah, that's like I'm, I'm okay with it. Actually, you know the best part about this though is like, say we did that, we put it all together, put all that time into it, start driving around, 
Dan would be the one that's like, guys, I don't want to do this anymore. And I like Hondas now. Yeah. No. Bullshit. <laughs> nope. nope. I was say, this is, the only reason is because he gets to destroy one. Yeah. Like Actually, yes. And then when we're done with one, we're going to take all of our speed parts off of it and get another one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. And then when we run out of civics in the greater Austin area, we'll move on to Corollas. Oh, he's trying to Dukes of Hazard it. Ooh, we should oh, do yeah. that too. All right. So if you guys want to see that, let us know if you'd be willing to put in on a Patreon. And I swear to you, we will do live casts. We'll make a YouTube channel. We will just start blowing up Honda Civics oh in the greater Austin area. I swear, I, I promise you. I promise you. So go on to our Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash from the garage podcast. Brian, you said that we have a Twitter? Uh, yes, we do. It is uh, at from the garage podcast. Nice. Or go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive comment um, or let us know what you would like to have. But until next time, I'm Dan Nichols, the nerd. I am Brian Sanchez, the learned one. And I'm Tim Wesley. Now get out my garage.